Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had healed deep places in my heart and done incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it really became my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful to have you here. Again, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot. And I want to say a huge thank you to both Dakota Campbell and Brother Raymond Woodward, who were willing to be interviewed. Um, Their episodes posted last week and the week before. I believe it's episode 78 and 79. And I'm very grateful for all the insight and inspiration, uh, the wisdom, and the practical tips that they both shared on journaling and Bible reading and prayer. A lot there. If you haven't had a chance to listen yet, take a second. Well, more than a second. Take some time and listen. You will be blessed by all that they had to share. Today, we are going to talk about distractions, and particularly, we are going to talk about distractions that come through our phones. You may have picked up on that since the title is called uh, Your iPhone is Your Enemy. And even more particularly, we're going to talk about how technology can be a great distraction in our devotion time. I have had this episode on my list for a long time, but I have had a few recent experiences that really highlighted the need to kind of point this out for myself and probably for those who may listen, just what a level of distraction our iPhones can bring. And so I'm going to share two recent experiences that I had and Yes, I I just felt like this would help. So I wrote about a month ago, praying, praying for Friends Sunday, starting to pray for people I've invited, I'm planning or planning to invite. One of them is Shy from Chase, which reminded me of a girl from General Conference I met named Shy, which caused me to search for her on Instagram, which caused me to find Shyla Davis Mitchell, who had a booth across from me at General Conference which caused me to look at a few photos, which caused me to think about this episode and write this, and I'm no longer praying. And then I saw a text, and, and, and. Our iPhones will rob us of our time with Jesus. Our iPhones will interrupt our time with Jesus. Then a week or two ago, I wrote this. Felt to pray through my prayer list, praying for the pastoral team, for department leaders, prayed for Maggie and Matt, praying for Maggie, then remembered it's Lawson's birthday, then remembered I wanted to order him something, then spent 10 minutes scrolling through Amazon, then back to the list, praying for ladies' ministry, then started thinking of events for next year, then texted the Hanthorns with a question about the fall event. That is often how it goes if I have my iPhone too close to me or I'm not managing it very carefully during my devotion time. So I just wanted to share that even though I have been reading my Bible and praying 
for 20 plus years, I am susceptible to distraction. I am susceptible to allowing this to invade my devotion time if I'm not careful. And so today I'm not really talking against iPhones or any other phone. I have one, we know that they are a necessity in this day and age. This is more of just a simple, gentle reminder to be observant for the potential distractions that can come through our phone during our time with God. Our phones really are tools. Again, they're neutral. We have to choose how we are going to use them. And I'm sure we've all heard the statistics about how our phones are rewiring our brain. I've heard Simon Sinek talk about how iPhones and social media have as much addictive power as other things, alcohol um, or, or other things that release dopamine. Um, recently, I watched a TED Talk about how our iPhones are taking up our free time and really robbing us of all the, um, just the open moments in our life where we're not committed to sleeping or eating or working. There's actually um, a graph in this TED Talk and just showing how over the years, more and more of our time has gone to our iPhones and to social media. And I'm not really here to talk about stats today or about statistics, but it is very fascinating, um, some of the research that has been done. And so maybe you would like to look into that on your own time. But for today's purposes, I really just want to remind us that our iPhones have the potential to usher in a lot of distraction. For a very long time, I've said that our iPhones and social media are a stanza in the devil's lullaby. Again, they're not inherently wrong. In many senses, they're neutral, but they can be used for good or for evil. And I think in many cases, we are being rocked to sleep by the great level of distraction in our lives through technology. A.W. Tozer said, the stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe for all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with so many of us, he waits so long, so very long in vain. And I love that line where he says complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. I looked up the definition of complacency in a couple of dictionaries. According to Merriam-Webster, it's a self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. And from the Cambridge Dictionary, it says a feeling of calm satisfaction with our own abilities or situation that prevents you from trying harder. Complacency is fostered and grown in distraction. It dulls our hunger for God. It dulls our spiritual senses. It dulls our longing to be with God. And we have to so guard against becoming complacent. And therefore, we have to guard against distractions. I've always been so convicted by Luke 21, 34 through 36, Jesus says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled with carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape the horrors coming and stand before the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about the possibility of being caught unaware 
by the coming of the Lord. And he lists the worries, King James actually says, the cares of this life, right along with the other stuff, right along with the crazy partying. He says, um, carousing and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And the Greek definition in Strong's is actually translated as care through the idea of distraction. And in Thayer's, it's identified as to be drawn in different directions. English equals distraction. And so Jesus is literally saying, don't let your hearts be dulled by the distractions of this life. And again, complacency, this dullness, this deadness of spirit is fostered and grown in distraction. And so much of our distraction in this day and age comes through many forms of technology. We know that life on its own has a lot of distractions, but then you throw in Netflix and you throw in Prime and you throw in Snapchat and you throw in Instagram and Facebook and emails and texts, just to name a few. It's a miracle that we have enough time in our day to even deal with all of these things. And so again, I want just to reiterate, I'm not speaking against iPhones. I'm just speaking about us being very cautious about the potential distraction that they can usher in if we're not managing them carefully, especially as it relates to our time with Jesus. And so with all of that said, a couple of practical tips for managing your phone and technology during your devotion time. First of all, turn off notifications. I really don't get a ton of notifications. Most of my apps I have them turned off for. Just in general, I find it less distracting throughout my normal life um, and definitely a help during devotion time. Number two, put your phone on do not disturb so that notifications or texts aren't coming through during the time that you have so intentionally carved out for Jesus. Even before I had an iPhone back 15 years ago, 10 years ago, distractions are rampant. The enemy will get your brain going a million miles an hour. All the dogs in the neighborhood are going to bark. Even without technology, we have distraction. And so again, just putting your phone on do not disturb is going to help carve out or uh, eliminate some of those distractions that can come through technology. Number three, have a notepad nearby. Um, write things down that you may need to do on your phone later so you don't forget about them. I've heard our pastor mention this many times, like during prayer, just write things down if they come to your mind. And recently we had a lady named Cammie who came and spoke at a ladies event. She's a licensed counselor and she actually talked about the proof for just writing something down, getting it out of your brain onto a piece of paper. So that can be very helpful. That way you know you're not um, going to forget it can just kind of check it off mentally. Number four, if you absolutely cannot ignore it or you find yourself constantly drawn to it, really you could leave it in another room. And I will tell you, sometimes I sit on mine. That way I'm not seeing the phone light up. I'm not seeing, I don't have that draw. And again, remember our iPhones do have an addictive quality to them. They can have that addictive quality. And so for me, just out of sight, out of mind helps me a lot. Also, I will tell you something, and this wouldn't necessarily apply to the day-to-day, but I do periodically just get off social media altogether. If I feel like it is just having too much of a pull on me or taking up too much of my time, I'll just step away for a month. I take Facebook and Instagram off my phone 
And it is really interesting how many times I pick up my phone and I'm like, oh, I can't go on Facebook or Instagram. Okay, well, you know, I mean, obviously there's texts and emails and other things that can still be a distraction, but social media really is a big part of our phones being distracting. I've done that for up to three months at a time. And when you come back to it, it feels very enjoyable and not like it just has this kind of clutch on you or this um, addictive draw. And so I feel I'm able to manage it much better after some time away. So again, turn off notifications during your devotion time. Put your phone on. Do not disturb during your devotion time. Have a notepad nearby. Write something down if it comes into your mind. If you absolutely can't ignore it, put it in the other room or do like I do and sit on it. Um, And apparently I need to do that all the time. You heard my little battles there. And then also just take a break from social media if you feel like it just has too much power over your free time and over your mind. Those are just a couple of tips to get the most out of our time with Jesus. We have to remember that the enemy is always wanting to cut us off from our power sources. And prayer and Bible reading are some of the key spiritual power sources in our lives. And if he can't keep us from having a prayer closet, if he can't stop us from getting there, he's going to try to push distraction into our prayer closet. And keeping our iPhones at bay is really a big piece of shutting the door, like Jesus said, and being alone with him in secret. And remember that our iPhones, in one sense, because of all of the people we're connected with through them, it's kind of like bringing other people into the prayer closet. And so today, again, not a rebuke, not speaking against iPhones necessarily, just a reminder that we don't want to become dull. We don't want to be complacent. We want to be burning hot with passion for Jesus, longing to spend time with him and sit at his feet, and therefore we have to monitor distractions. Today, I'm going to share an unedited journal entry called Dust and Ashes, This is entry number five from the book, Unedited, Hope and Healing Through the Simple Habit of Bible Reading and Prayer. Dust and Ashes. I am sure I've probably read the verse many times before, but recently it has been observed on a new level and has tumbled through my mind on an almost daily basis. The verse is Genesis 18.27. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Prior to this description of himself, verses 22 and 23 say of Abraham, But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near. There is a certain effect caused by drawing near to the Lord. There is a great sense of undoneness the nearer I stand to him. Growing up, my pastor, Brother Tamberg, would say, the closer you get to the light, the more you see the dirt. The closer I draw to his glory, the more clearly I see the unworthiness in me, the more clearly and painfully I see the plight of my human condition. His glory and brilliance reveal to me the great divide between his goodness and my badness and cause me to humbly realize that apart from him, I can do nothing which am but dust and ashes, words deeply felt from drawing close. Another man, Job, spoke those words in the fire of affliction and adversity. All Job had, his human relationships, his symbols of success, and even the shelter of home had been stripped from him. 
now facing the grief of loss, the discouragement of friends, the disdain of a misunderstanding wife, and the pain of sickness, he sat down among the ashes and later states, I am become like dust and ashes. Job, like Abraham, knew what it was to survey the landscape of his life and admit, I am dust and ashes. Dust, ash, nothing much to speak of, but the weight of those words hung on both men's shoulders. There are true dust and ash moments in this life, sometimes from drawing close, sometimes from the fire of hardship and struggle, sometimes from the grief of loss, sometimes from the awareness of your failures and flaws, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. There are probably a million reasons for dust and ashes moments, and I'm guessing we all have them. Moments where it seems someone lit a match and all around us is burned to the ground. Dust, ash, not much to speak of, but sometimes they are a reality. There is nothing beautiful about either dust or ash, but I believe this is very conditional. If we turn them over to God, those remains of what once was can become the beginning of the most incredible beauty we've ever experienced. Isaiah 61.3 says to give them beauty for ashes. What an exchange. I find it interesting that God gave special instructions for the care of ashes in the Old Testament. He gave instructions for special pans to carry them in, Exodus 27.3, instructions for a specific place to put them, Leviticus 1.16, and three times instructs for the ashes to be put in a clean place. God cares about ashes. I also find it interesting, after a little research, that the ashy soil around volcanoes is incredibly fertile. One website says, when volcanoes erupt, the immediate effect on plant life is destructive and deadly. While it is true that the immediate effect of volcanoes on plant life is death, the long-term effect is very positive. When volcanoes erupt, spreading ash around a large area, this ash acts as a fertilizer enriching the soil. It is no surprise that the soil near volcanoes is among the richest and most fertile on earth. I am but dust and ashes. I echo the words of Abraham and Job, dust and ashes. The realization is harrowing, but I do know the one who exchanged ashes for beauty and I trust that he knows what he wants to grow in the soil of this life. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Isaiah 61, 3. My ashes for his glory. And so today, again, just a friendly reminder to be aware of distractions that come into our prayer and Bible reading time through technology, through our phones, through our iPhones. Our iPhones are our enemy. At least they have the potential to be our enemy. Technology is a tool and we have got to learn how to use it properly, to set boundaries with it, to put limits on it. We must learn to use it for good. And again, just a quick reminder of those tips I shared earlier 
for your devotion time. Turn off notifications, put your iPhone on, do not disturb, have a notepad nearby to quickly jot things down if they come to mind. If you absolutely can't ignore it, put it in a different room or sit on it and periodically take a social media break. Learn to set boundaries with your iPhone. And I just wanted to say, again, thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible and not your iPhone. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, happy Friday.